share some things with me this morning. Would you would you repeat after me? All that I have belongs to God. All God has belongs to me. Say this if you will. God blesses me so I can bless others. Say this with me. I want to be all God wants me to be. All God wants me to be. For the past several sessions, we have been talking about the prodigal, talking about the lost sheep, talking about the lost son, talking about relationship, talking about how we interact with one another. The lawyer asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. And another commandment is to love one another as you love yourself. When you think about how much you love yourself, the things that you would do for yourself and cater yourself and spoil yourself, the Lord said that we are to love one another just like that. And, you know, a grandma or an aunt, it's easy to love them that way. But uh, when he says to bless those that curse you and love those that hate you and do good to them that, dis that, that despise you, that's a tough love to follow. Amen. That's a tough, that's a tough you know, I can love the person who puts gas in my car because I don't have to be around them. But when you're on a job every day or you're involved with someone every day and uh, maybe they're not rolling in the brotherly love, maybe you're not feeling it, that's when we go beyond our feelings and we obey the commandments that the Lord has given us. To love one another is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. In Proverbs 17 and 17, the word declares, a friend loveth. At all times, we used to sing a song by Bill Gaither that said, I am loved. You're loved. I can risk loving you because the one that knows me best loves me more. And so because I am recipient of that love, because I am loved, then I can sow a seed of love. I can sow a seed of affection. I can sow a seed of compassion. And nine times out of ten, when you sign, when you when you sow kindness and you sow love, nine times out of ten, you're going to get kindness and love back. It's just the way that God rolls. You reap what you sow. You sow good things. You reap good things. You sow to the spirit. You reap the spirit. You sow the flesh. You reap of the flesh. Proverbs 18 and 24, it says, A man that hath friends or a man that wants friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Aren't you glad this morning that you have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother? And the Bible says in the book of Psalms, he calls me friend. If I die, let me rephrase that. When I die, if I die, if I don't, if not, I won't miss the rapture. But if the rapture doesn't take place and I die, are you there with me now? Are we all on the same page? If I have on this hand, if I can count this many loyal friends that are with me all the way to the end, I have done well. I have done well. There's five people in my life that have stuck with me and survived me and put up with me and sowed in me and loved me and cared for me. If there's if there's five on my hand, then I have done well. But if I don't have that five, I know I've got Jesus because he's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So you're loved today whether you want to be loved or not. You're cared for this morning whether you want to be cared for or not. We find some questions in the book of Genesis and God asked Cain a question and said, Cain, where is your brother? And Cain asked back, am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely. We are our brother's keeper. God brings people into our life to shower them, to shelter them, 
and to bless them with good things. When you look at 1 John four times in, in the, the letter there that John wrote to the church, in John, 3, John 107, it said, let us have fellowship one with another. Scott Thomas taught us years ago that fellowship is just two guys in a ship. Now, that might not be a big deal to you unless you get in one of my boats because my boats are real narrow and they're real touchy. And if you two are not on the same page, one of you is going to wind up in the river, in the, in, the, in, in the lake. I saw on Facebook there were a bunch of rednecks. I don't know how many saw it, but they were rednecks, and they were fishing, and they, they couldn't. There was one guy on the front of the boat, and he was a redneck, and there was one guy kind of driving the boat. He was a redneck, and the other two guys were rednecks, and so the motor wouldn't start. And so they didn't have any ether, but they had some bug spray. And the redneck said, that's, that's, that's redneck ether. Just spray it in there. So I want you to see this with me. There's a guy on the front of the boat. There's a guy in the middle of the boat. Then there's a guy kind of towards the back. Then there's some guy spraying e a bug spray into the motor, and you got this, this redneck trying to start it, and it, it tries to crank, and it tries to crank, and then all of a sudden the bug spray blows up, and there is an explosion. Boom, and three of the guys wind up in the lake. And I got to thinking about two fellas in a ship. There's got to be some kind of unity. There's got to be some kind of you got some kind of agreement. You got to work together if you're going to survive life. Can anybody relate this morning? John First John three and eleven tells us to love one another as He has loved us. Uh, John three twenty three love one another. John four and seven love one another for this is the commandment. And John four and eleven tells us to love one another. So we are we are petitioned. And uh, we are encouraged by a man of God, John, that says, love one another. And Pastor Rhonda mentioned Wednesday night, John is the disciple that Jesus loved. And John gave himself that title. That was not a title by his peers. Matter of fact, when you look at the life of John, there seemed to be some kind of controversy with the life of John and Peter, Cain and Abel, uh, Jacob and Esau. Cain and Abel were probably twins. Jacob and Esau were twins. There was a battle going on in uh, Sarah's womb, and she went, to, she went to God and said, what's going on? Why is there a battle going on in my womb? And God told her, there are two nations in your womb, and the younger will, will, will the, the older brother will, will serve the younger brother, and we know that when, when Jacob and Esau was born, when Esau was born, Jacob had his hand around Esau's ankle trying to pull him back into the womb. So they tied a string around uh, Esau's wrist that he was the firstborn, and you know the rest of the story. Paul had a snag with Barnabas over Timothy. They got into a disagreement, and never again did Paul and Barnabas ever minister together again. They traveled different parts of the world. So there, there's there's a reason why God there's a reason why God puts people in our life is to practice on them and to love on them. And when we practice on one another and get it done right, then we can go to the world and we can start loving the world because that's what God loves. You want to know the heart of God, find out what God loves and love. You want to know the heart of God, find out what, what God hates and hate. God loves us and God loves it when we love one another. The secular world has a better, am I talking too fast? Am I talking too slow? I've had 13 cups of coffee this morning. I woke up at 5 a.m., so if I take a bathroom break, you guys will hang with me and just kind of praise the Lord, worship the Lord. Uh, the secular world kind of seems to have a better grip on this than we do. 
I'm reminded of a group called the Hollies, and I love the Hollies. And would anybody like to guess what song they sang that will fit in my message today? Anybody? He ain't heavy. He's my brother. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. I think of Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell. I mean, I'm going back in Vietnam days, baby. Glenn Campbell. Anybody like to guess what song he sang that would go with my message today? Cry a little kindness. Cry a little kindness. Early 70s, in 1971, there was a guy by the name of Joe South. Joe South wrote and sang a song. It became popular. It was the only song he did that became popular. Would anybody like to venture and tell me what that song was that will go with my message today? Anyone? Walk a mile in my shoes. Before you criticize and abuse, walk a mile in my shoes. This morning, Austin's going to help me with the song, I believe, that will appropriately identify the direction I'm trying to go in the next 35 minutes. Are you ready? Thank you, Austin. I think the point is well made this morning, like a bridge. He was that, he was that bridge. He laid down everything so that we could survive. But like a bridge, I will lay my life down and let you walk over me to get to where you need to be if that's what's necessary. That's what love does. We shared the story for years, the story of the uh, mountain if you ever fly into Anchorage and you do the roundabout to Soldatna, it's a beautiful drive. It's about two and a half hours long, and you'll you're liable to see an eagle. You'll probably see a moose, but if you look real close on the on the mountainside, you'll you'll see little blotches of white, and those are mountain goats. And the mountains are so st so steep, it is impossible. They're literally impossible to climb. The ice, the cleft, the 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 angle. But on that steep mountainside, there are goats that climb, and they live, and they survive. And you can see them. And the story was told of the old goat that had been around the block for a while. He was the old ram. He was the, he was the daddy. He, he owned that mountain. And as he was on a trail, he saw coming in another direction one of the younger rams, one of the rams that was full of vim and vigor and, and was, blowing, it was bl blasting down the trail. And the old goat, the ram saw that there was a place there that if the ram kept coming, the younger ram kept coming, they would both fall to their death. 
And so that old ram made a decision. Even though he was the king of the mountain, he laid down on that path so that that younger ram could walk over him, and they both survived that day. That's the love that God puts in our heart for one another. And what an incredible love. It all ties into John 3, 16, the greatest statement ever made. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. Happy birthday, Harvest. You are 27 years old today. 27 years old today. I posted on Facebook some of the, the things that we have seen God do uh, with the orphans and the widows and the singles and the drug addict and the alcoholic and the marriages and all that God has done the past 27 years. And I posted it on Facebook. And uh, my precious, precious atheist friend who does not believe in what I believe actually complimented this house and this church that we put action behind our words and we're doing the work of Christ, even though he doesn't believe. And I thought how powerful that an atheist would acknowledge and honor us the 27 years that we have been here and maybe 27 more. You never know what God is up to. Let me see how old will I be 20 in 27 years. Let's see. I'm 23 now, 33, 43, 51. I'll be 51, 27 years from now, and we will be able to celebrate. Ecclesiastes 4 and 11 makes this statement. Two are better than one. If one gets cold, the other one is there to keep him warm. If one falls down, the other is there to pick him up. And if one comes under attack, the other one is there to protect him and to help him. And then it makes this statement, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. We find a three co threefold cord in Isaiah 40 and 31. It says, they that wait upon the Lord. That word wait is not wait time, wait to serve. That word wait means to bind together, to braid together like a threefold cord. And we know the threefold, a threefold stranded rope is very difficult to break. But here's what happens. When you and I are walking in agreement and we choose to love one another and we choose to, to serve one another and bless one another and encourage one another the way that God encourages us to, where two are gathered in his name, he joins us and he becomes that third strand, that unbreakable bond. And so when we do what God calls us to do, then Jesus did what he said he would do where two or three gather in agreement in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. You cannot love somebody and care for somebody, and su support somebody and help somebody and not get the attention of God. That's what God is all about. Jesus said, if you really want to serve me, serve the widow, serve the orphan, and minister to those in jail or in prison. There are so many today that are imprisoned by drugs or alcohol or the love of money, or shopping, or all kinds of addictions in this world. It's not just drugs and alcohol, but there's all kinds of addictions in this world that really messes people up. People that are people that have the addiction of control, they are miserable. People have the, the addiction of picking lousy boyfriends are, hello. It's funny, you would think after a while, you know, after a, about two losers, you probably start looking for a winner. But you, it just it just seems like two out of three, this, that's the odds be two out of three. But it is, there, there are people that are hurt and wounded, and, and they really don't have a, um, a spiritual voice in their life. I received a word Friday night. There were a group. The wall was up, and there was an incredible sound system, lights, and all of that. 
and they went to a great deal of trouble. Tanner was on the drums, went to a great deal of trouble, and they had a special service that started at 7. Uh, I, I think I left about 9.30, and they were still going. And uh, when I when I came, I came, I guess I got here about 8. And I'm just enjoying the music, enjoying the, I love that. And uh, one of the one of the ministers who is a prophet, he, he operates in the prophetic word, uh, very reliable, very stable. Uh, I think that Terry's his mentor. I want to believe that that's part of the covering he's under. Uh, stopped the worship and stopped the singing and, and walked over, and I did not want to be seen. I, I just got that face. I just got that. When my face shows up, people feel the need to prophesy over me. And usually it's good stuff. Rarely, rarely do I get like someone call me out, you know, and like burn me. Usually the, the prophecies are encouraging, edifying. And he said, he said, I know you don't call yourself an apostle, but you're an apostle nation. And you have many sons and daughters. And God's going to bring many more sons and daughters. And I'm thinking, I'm done with sons and daughters. I'm into grandkids now. Hello? I, I, I don't want any more. I got all the sons and daughters I can afford, okay? I am now into grandchildren. I want you to go and raise up sons and daughters, and then I'll be the grandpa, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I'll serve the family that way. But there, there is, there's something about people just laying down their wants, their likes, and trying to minister someone else's wants and likes. It's, it's like the word koinia. When you look at Acts, the third chapter, the Bible says that when they got when they converted and they found God, they started selling their possessions and goods and bringing them to the house of God. And there was so many there were so many gifts given to the ministry that they had to raise up elders and deacons to justify where the funds were going to. A powerful truth. When you get right with God, you give your heart to God. It seems like all of a sudden there's a generous spirit. And you can't wait to give things away. Anybody, you know how to relate to that? Remember those days? There was just a, there was just something in your heart you couldn't stand to see somebody that didn't have something. You would share a coat or a pair of shoes or a shotgun or a fishing pole. That's just, that's just something about love. Love, when, when, when love is in full operation, you'll find yourself giving because that's what God did. For God so loved the world that he gave. And aren't you glad that it was given unto you? Um, Let's look at Acts, Acts 3. For some reason, I wrote it down. It must be important. Everything I write down is important, but this, I believe, is a little bit more important than that. Acts 3, verse 42. No. Let me back up. Acts 3. Everybody look at somebody else and give me a break. Thank you. Okay, let's shoot from the hip. You ready? John 20. That's it. Never mind, there is not a John 20. Okay, let's tell the story. Jesus looks in the upper room and says, I'm going to die. I'm going to be murdered. On the third day, I'm going to take back my life. I'm going to resurrect. So they watch a horrible, horrible death. If you've seen the movie, The Passion, 
produced by Mel Gibson. You see the, the four of, of the stripes, crown, the, the facial beating, the, the nails in the hands and the feet, and then dying of a, literally a broken heart, putting weight on the nails to take a breath and sagging and then taking a breath and sagging in crucifixion, the actual cause of death is the, it, your heart literally stops working. And so they just watched the horrible death. They watched the earthquake. They saw rain come, fire come, uh, the thunderstorm come down from heaven, and they're all huddled together, and they're all terrified. And two of them decide that they're not going to stay there in Jerusalem, but they begin to walk, and they begin to walk to a city called Emmaus. Emmaus was seven miles from Jerusalem, seven-mile walk. As they begin to walk, obviously, they're talking about the events, talking about, maybe talking about miracles, maybe talking about love, maybe talking about him feeding the multitude, maybe talking when he raised the dead. And while they're, while they're talking about him, they really get sad, they get discouraged, they get depressed, and some guy starts walking with them. Now, the Bible says they don't recognize who's walking with him, and there may be a reason. Uh, in, John, in, I'm sorry, in Revelation 1, verse 14, you can look at it for yourself, but it gives us a physical description of Jesus, and it says that his hair is white as snow. We know that in World War II, when they placed Jews in the Nazi concentration camps, and they would put them in the oven, and the Jews would go in the oven, not knowing whether they were going to die or whether they were going to survive, it was such mental stress. They begin to experience what's called hematidosis. And hematidosis, the sweat glands burst, mixing with the blood, and they actually begin to sweat blood. And the Bible says that when he was in the garden praying, he actually began to sweat blood. That's how intense that prayer was. Also, one of the characteristics of hematidosis is that the black hair can become white overnight, literally overnight. Uh, my mom never had a black hair on her head until I went through a divorce. And when I went through a divorce, the stress I put on the family and the pressure I put on the family, my mom actually got a, a, just, a, just, a, just a little tease right here of white hair. And we always felt that was the stress of, because she was trying to match my emotions. And did I ever tell you that story? Okay. I just want to remind you. Someone said, hell you put me through and the hell I put, the hell I put you, the hell I put you. I, des I, des I, deserved, I, deserved, I deserved it. And that's just a mom. That's what moms are going to do. Okay, but for some reason, they don't, rec they don't recognize him. They do not recognize They don't. It's Jesus walking with them, and they don't recognize him. So as they begin to walk, he begins to remind them, well, didn't Micah prophesy he'd be born in Bethlehem? Didn't Psalm say that he'd be sold for 30 pieces of silver? Didn't they say not a bone would be broken? There are 115 prophecies concerning the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, 130. They had seven-mile walk. I don't know how long it takes you to walk seven miles. Me, I wouldn't do it. I'd drive a golf cart seven miles before I would walk seven miles. Do I have a friend in the house? Um, but as they, begin to, as they begin to walk and make this journey, uh, he just begins to share. And he begins to expound. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, the Bible says their, their, their hearts got excited and and they, and they started going through a healing, and, and they stopped being depressed. They stopped being discouraged, and, uh, and they stopped at a house. And ironically, 
it says that he would have walked on. I don't know that 15-minute prayers do it. I mean, I think a lot of times we just get warmed up and God's really ready to start responding, and then we're gone. We're out of here. And, 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 you know, maybe in your walk with Christ, maybe you're limiting yourself or disqualifying yourself or rating yourself, which you should never do unless you rate yourself according to the Word of God, what the Word of God has to say. It says you're the apple of His eye. You're the bride. You're the church. You're all that, you're, you're all that in a bag of chips. And when you begin to realize what God says you are, you can walk a little farther than you walked the day before. Does that help anybody? So anyway, they, they, they stopped, and they came to a house, and they decided that they were going to have some fellowship, and they asked them to do something very unusual. Usually, it was the host that blessed the food. It was the host. But they asked the guest to bless the food. And the Bible says that he took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and then he gave the bread. Say that with me. He took it. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. And when he did that, their eyes were open, and they realized it was Jesus. And as they looked at one another and realized it was Jesus, whew, Scotty beamed him out. Beamed him out. Beam me up, Scotty. He bent, the Bible says, he bent. They were so excited. Now, remember, they just walked seven miles. They were so excited, they turned around and went right back that night, seven miles, and found the disciples and said, hey, we heard that some saw angels. We heard that Mary saw him, but we have seen him with our own eyes. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that changed the party. Let me tell you something. When you realize that the things in your life aren't dead, they're not dead. When the Shunammite's son died, he wasn't dead. He was dormant. There's a difference. He wasn't dead. He was dormant. When Ezekiel prophesied over the dry bones, he never said they were dead. He said they were dry. They were dormant. Do I have a friend in the house tonight? So what was I telling you? Walk with Jesus. The drink, the, um, we're not. Oh, yes. Let me get to my point. It's in this bag. When they got back to Jerusalem, they began to talk about how he had broken the bread. And that's how they realized it was him. So you pondered this morning, how did he address the bread?
peace. People watch our lives, and there's such a jealousy sometimes. Cain was jealous of Abel. Esau was jealous of Jacob. There's such a there's such. Uh, John was jealous of J- Peter. Was jealous of John. There's just something about the way that God treats us and loves us, and and just woos us that others look. And it's not by the length of your hair. It's not by the lack or excess of makeup. It's not by the lack of jewelry excess. It's not. It's not external. There's not a search. I mean, what if God wanted all of us that are saved to have mohawk? I mean, then everybody would say they would know that we're Christians by our mohawk. But no, he said, I want them to know that you are Christians by our love. And it's the way that we love one another and respond to one another. And so when I look at this bread and they run back and they tell the guys, listen, here's how we know it was Jesus. Doesn't say he showed them the scars in his hands or feet. His hair is white, but the only way they could identify that it was Jesus is by the way he handled the bread. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says about you. You are the bread of life. You are the city set upon the hill. You are that candle that cannot be hid. You are the bread that feeds the world today, things that bring healing and favor and blessing and prosperity. And I remember the day, and I, 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 can, I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was such a horrible weekend. It was a weekend that, that I had shot cook between my toes. I had, I had eaten some peyote. We were doing wine coolers. We were, we were trash. And I remember that Sunday night when I went to the house of God, I was probably hung over and miserable and, and lonely and frustrated and, and bound and in trouble bankrupt, lost everything that I had, lost my car, lost my wife, lost my, lost my job, lost all of that. But I remember that when I went to that place to pray, hello, there was a change in me because I found a better way. Can anybody remember when God took you? He took me. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He heard my cry. He brought me up out of the miry clay, out of the horrible pit. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. He has put a new song in my mouth that many should hear and fear the Lord. He took me out of a rough place. He took me out of a bad place. Some of you can relate. God has taken you out of drugs. He's taken you out of alcohol. He's taken you out of pride. He's taken you out of hurt. All the all the things that you grew up with, all that stuff, all that baggage. He took you out of that mud out of that mire, and then you know what he did? He blessed you. David said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate both day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He shall, he shall bring forth his fruit, and whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper. That all comes with the blessing. That's what God did for us. He takes us, and then he blesses us, and then all of a sudden, we are overwhelmed by compassion. All of a sudden, we see someone who desperately needs what we have, and they're watching our life, and a door opens, and all of a sudden, we begin to share the second most powerful thing upon the face of the earth, What is it? His blood is the most powerful thing upon the face of the earth. But the second most powerful thing upon the face of the earth, are you ready? Are you sure? Because it's in you. 
and God wants to bring it out of you, is your testimony. And they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of their testimony. You don't realize that you have the ability in your life to change the life of many. That's why he took you out of the junk of the world, because he had a purpose, a plan. He had a destiny for you. He has an agenda for you. And then he blesses you just to remind you how much he loves you and cares about you. And because you're blessed, then you can go and bless somebody else. You can get right there in the gutter with them, stay clean, stay sober, stay, stay healthy, and you can tell them, listen, I don't know what you're going through, but I feel like I know some of what you're going through. But let me tell you what God did for me. He delivered me from drugs, delivered me from alcohol, delivered me from my pride, from criticism, negativity, depression. He delivered me from all of that, and he wants to do the same thing for you. And right there you say, just pray with me. Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. Come in my heart, wash away my sins, make me white as snow. And God does that, and God takes them out of, out of hell, blesses them, and breaks them through humility. And then, are, are you seeing this? We're moved with compassion. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And all of a sudden, you realize what you've got is so great, your cup runneth over. you got way too much, so you've got to give it to somebody else. So he takes you, takes you, and when he changes you, people know you're changed. He blesses you, and then he breaks you, not to hurt you, but for you to feel the compassion he feels, for you to feel the love that he feels, to realize he really does love the world. And when you look at the world today, it's really not all that lovable. When you see that nation is rising against nation, it's like, it's, it's almost come to a place where it's impossible for the president of the United States to do any good whatsoever because there's so much politics that won't give him a chance. They just want to destroy him before he does some of the things he's promised to do. That's the kind of world that we're living in. That's the kind of world. Every 53 minutes, a person dies on our highways through drunk driving. Every 53 minutes. Every day in a 24-hour window, there are 40,000 suicides in America. Every day, 40,000 hospitals are filled with 40,000 suicides a day. We, we see Yemen. We see Libya. We see Syria. We see they're taking Christians and they're beheading them. They're torturing them. And when we look at the world as a whole, I mean, we can all sing Michael Jackson song. We are the world. We are the world. I mean, I mean, we can all get caught up in that for a moment. But really, the world right now is a really a rowdy place. And the way the world treats Israel is even worse. But he still loves us. He still loves the world. God hates drugs, but he loves the drug addict. God hates alcohol, but he loves the alcoholic. God probably doesn't care for transgender, but he loves the transgender. God's probably not into homosexuality, but he loves the homosexual. Only he can operate in that fashion, in that form. So he takes us, he blesses us, he breaks us, and then he gives us. So when he gives us to somebody that needs to be, are you ready? Taken, blessed, broken, and given. It's a domino effect. 
if I win two and those two win four and those four win eight and those eight win 16, by the time I get to a hundredfold, there's not a computer that can count the souls that could be saved if one person just does it correctly. Just one person. If you're if you're if you just got to a place where you just said, Lord, you're going to use me today in my in my testimony. You're going to use me today. I'm going to encourage somebody. I'm going to bless somebody. I'm going to help somebody. Lord, you're you're going to you're going to use me today. If you just wake up with that mindset and attitude, it would blow your mind how many doors that God would open for you. I conclude with a true story. Um, several years ago, in an eight week revival. Uh, we had a lot of guests, and uh, we had a lot of guests from a lot of states. And we had a pastor's wife that visited the revival from, I'll just say, from nor- the north. They came. Uh, they enjoyed the, the, the service. They met them at the church. Later went to a church and held a revival, went to a church. And, but uh, while we were there in this revival at the church, the mom told me that I reminded her of her one of her sons and that uh, her son just went through a real bad divorce and uh, he's partying and uh, he had a job in California making a lot of money running the dozer some kind of heavy equipment and she said would you pray for my son and I don't know if I said or she said but somehow in the conversation it came out would you call him I said sure Give me a phone number next day or so. Call him. Made my acquaintance. Told him, said, hey, your mom and dad was out at revival last night. He was raised in church all of his life. He knew what the word revival meant. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, I'm here in California making some money. I said, well, I just want to let you know, if, you know, if you ever want, you come to Tennessee and, and we'll drink a cup of coffee. He said, oh, yeah, so I'm making 30 bucks an hour. Whatever he's making, I'm, you know, everything here is good. I probably won't. But thanks for the offer. Next day, he loses his job. The next day. Everybody say the next day. The next day. The night before. Say the night before. The next day. That's how close you are to a breakthrough. That's how close you are to touching somebody's life and making a difference. I didn't feel the Holy Ghost when I got on the phone. I was honoring the mom. I was honoring the mom. I was honoring a pastor. I grew up in a pastor's home. I know all about being a pastor's kid. So I just, one pastor's kid to another. He came in the revival. Gave his heart to God. Gave his heart to God. Look at somebody and say, gave his heart to God. That was last night. That was tomorrow. But the day after tomorrow. God's got every day of your week planned. God's got every day of your life planned. And they're good days. I know the plans. They're good plans I have for you. Plans to bless you. So, long story short, eight-week revival, 500 decisions for the Lord, first-time decisions, we go across town in the Mountain View Inn. It was a Holiday Inn North. It's now the Mountain View. And there we birthed a church. There were 120 of us the first the first Wednesday night, exactly 120. And of that 120, two were saved. Uh, as the church began to grow, uh, we had a full-time administrator. We just made her the full-time church administrator. And through the process of going to church and being involved in all things going on, he fell in love with the our administrator, married her, led worship here for 10 years, for a long time, and God opened the door for him to go to a great church in, um, in Kentucky, personal friend of, of ours, and then he went to serve another ministry 
in Atlanta, and while he was in Atlanta, his precious dad died and went to be with the Lord. And uh, the Church of God allowed the, the, the mom to continue pastoring church, a very good church, and through the process of whatever, whatever the process was, which the Church of God rarely allows family to take over when there's a death. They usually have somebody they already want to plug in there, but completely against their, their, their tradition and their formula, they allowed him to take the church. And now Kelly Goins is pastor of the Watts Bar Church of God, and they call it the bar. And they call it, and they call it, they call it the bar. I told you that to, to tell you this. He can make a difference because we are loved. We can love somebody else. Uh, Gail, if you'll get, if you'll get Abigail real quick. Well, that's all I have for you. And some bread. So feel free to come and take this bread home with you. I wouldn't take this piece. It has mold on it. This is a lot like the body of Christ, okay? Some of it's tattered, shattered, wore out. Some has mold. God's able to fix the mold. He can fix all that. I didn't plan for having mold, but there you have it. Thank you for that. You're feeling, the Bible says more, not mold. Blessed are they that not not mold more. If you've been sitting for now, never mind. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to get up, get up on that. Uh, Abigail, my darling, come join me just for a minute. 34 years ago, God opened the door for me to go to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, it was in my first uh, missionary country since then. I've been to 18. And uh, God really did some did some great things in me while I was there. I never really had been in a place where starvation was so bad that every night the army truck drove the roads and the soldiers would pick up bodies of those that had died during the just died. They just died. Several hundred Several hundred a day, a day. Haiti has raped their country. They've killed all their birds and eaten them. They killed all their animals. You won't find a rat in Haiti. They cut down most of their trees to make charcoal. That's how they, that's how they survive. The latrine flows right into, at every house, right into the puddles in front of the roads. The roads are dirt, and there the children play. The life expectancy of a Haitian is 37. If you live to be 37 in Haiti, you're old. I've been to two voodoo services, one uh, commercial for the tourists and one original. I've been to an original. I was snuck into the jungle behind the, uh, the, the, the bamboo stuff, and I watched a voodoo service. I have, st I have seen a zombie. I've been cursed by a voodoo priest. I was uh, in the iron market, the place to sell souvenirs, and I was with I took two or three with me. I've been six or seven times. Pastor Ronnie went with me. Uh, I, had a, I had a witch doctor come up and hiss at me. He just hiss at me. And I looked at my guide and said, what's that all about? He said, and the guide said, he knows you're a man of God. And I was just messing. I didn't have a suit and tie or a little collar thing. But just know, sometimes the enemy knows more about you than you know about them. So in Haiti, we met a young lady. Um, she would have been eight. Her name was Kel Kelsey Bonet, Kelsey Bonet, and from the age of 8 to the age of 18, we supported her. We sent money every single month for her. She wrote us, stayed in touch, and the door opened for her to go to Canada, and we lost her. I don't know. I don't know if she's still alive. I don't know. That had been 30 years ago, so she would have been however, however old she would have been. But we have a heart for Haiti. Uh, the first time I went to Haiti, I was overwhelmed by the death 
and I asked a missionary who spent his life there, I said, how do you handle it? He said, well, God showed me they die one at a time. We help them one at a time. We have sent thousands, not, not thousands of dollars of medicine, uh, antibiotics to Haiti. Uh, one year I took 500 pair of brand new shoes, 500 pair. One year I took accordions, guitars, sound systems, microphones. Uh, did I mention accordion? But they had no music whatsoever. And so we have a heart for Haiti. I haven't been there in a while, but we have a friend, uh, Danita, and I'm hoping you'll get to meet her. But she has an orphanage in Haiti of over 300 children that uh, several ministries, including ours, supports her. And uh, she's a, it's a great orphanage, has done a lot of great things. And uh, I, I, at one time, I took eight, eight young people with me, and I took a, um, a, a married couple that was going through some real serious um, Matter of fact, the wife told me later that she's going to come back from Haiti and uh, divorce her husband. When we got there, uh, we put them in a room by themselves, and being in Haiti, being ministry, God healed their marriage. They're still married today, and they're co-pastors of a church in Marietta. So a lot of good memories. I took Dad uh, to Haiti. I remember my dad told me. I was single. My dad said, son, come as often as you want, but if you think you're falling in love, don't go back. <laughs> Only Dad. Only Dad. The door has opened for Abigail to take a journey. I want her to tell you about it. Okay. Hello. My name is Abigail, for those of you who don't know. Um, and I'm going on a mission trip to Haiti in June this summer. I'm super excited. I've been on mission trips before, um, but this is my first Albuquerque mission trip. And so um, what we're going to be doing down there, basically we have um, a man who lives down there, and um, he does, like, mission work already. And... Um, so he's going to be leading us, and he basically, he just kind of, like, last year a team went, and they said that he just prays in the morning, and whatever he feels like the Spirit wants to do, um, then to do, then just to do. And so um, last year they just kind of loved on their people in the Haitian community. And um, so like Pastor said, I I have the opportunity to go. So I'm asking you all for you guys' um, prayers. And also if y'all are able to um, – sponsor me, that would be great. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Um, so, because America is great, thank you for your money. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited. So, Thank you, Abigail. This is a young lady that touches our children every Sunday. Every single Sunday touches our children. Loves the Lord, involved in the ministry. Drug-free, alcohol-free, walking in virginity. Loves the Lord, made a commitment to God, and uh, we're going to help her. We're going to help her. Thank you, Abigail. Uh, Haiti is the only country of the world that voodoo is their national religion. They, they, they are, they're voodoo. And there have been many that have tried to touch the, uh, so many, so many good men. The largest church of God in the world was in Haiti for years. I preached there several, and I wasn't even licensed with the church, but favor. Um, there's an element of Haiti that really loves the Lord. They really love the Lord. Haiti is an island that's divided in two. On the other half of Haiti is the Dominican Republic, and their religion is Catholic, Catholicism, and they are a prospering nation. They're, they're the, they're, the, the, it's different between daylight and dark, those that worship voodoo and those that worship God. We, it's a major difference in there. But we're, we, uh, we believe in missions. We have not had a missions evangelists. We've not had a missions offering. Uh, we've not had a missions project uh, for quite a while. 
And uh, today, if you would like to sow towards that, I need you to write on your envelope missions. And 